I'm going to just read a couple of verses that are not our primary text, but they kind of set the tone, uh, and then we'll, we'll look. So verse 5 of, Ch of Luke 17 says, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you just had the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and plant it in the sea, and it would obey you. Would you join me in prayer? Our Holy Father, we just, we just give you thanks for this good day. We thank you for the, the privilege that we do have to gather together, Lord, to enjoy one another's company, which happens here week after week to express our petitions to you in prayer for the sick, for the salvation of those who are lost, for the hope that we have in Christ. And that happens here every week. And for the privilege we have to proclaim to listen to the word of God. Father, we thank you for this church family and we thank you for the story that you have been writing called East Kelso Baptist Church for many years. And Father, we, uh, we enjoy what we know. We enjoy the, the story that is written that includes bean auctions and, and potlucks and puppets. And Father, we are so grateful for that story, and we know that you uh, also have a future story for this congregation. And Father, it may include so many of the same uh, elements that, that we enjoy, and it may include new stories, new people, new personalities. And Father, we thank you for that, and we thank you that, uh, that you have established your church. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to bless this congregation and bless the future uh, as, uh, as they look towards it, Lord, with hope. And we pray this now in, with thanksgiving in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, it is Thanksgiving week, and uh, when you're a guest preaching fruit, Oftentimes, and to say, well, shall we have a Thanksgiving message? It seems appropriate. Uh, it's, it's, it's happening all across America, whether you're a guest preacher or not. Uh, it, we we, we uh, come together and we remember the, with gratitude uh, what God has done and what he is doing. Uh, and we're reminded to be grateful. Thank you, uh, Joy, for those songs. A beautiful uh, message and encouragement as we... Uh, remember what Christ has done and what he invites us into. You know, we teach our children to say please and thank you. Uh, you know, whether that's for just good habits or good manners, uh, we teach our kids to say thank you. I, I love a tradition that my daughter has begun in November. My daughter in Salem, my, my two grandkids so far are ages uh, four and almost two, one and, one and three quarters. 
Uh, and uh, such a joy. We, we get to FaceTime with them almost every day, and, and uh, it's only 100 miles, and we get down there whenever we can and, and look forward to, to seeing them, um, Crosby and, and Breyer. Uh, but in November, she started, uh, I don't know when, but at least a year or two ago, uh, putting up a, taking a construction paper. She's a school teacher, so she, she takes her, the construction paper and she makes uh, a turkey. Um, and and uh, you can't see this very well, but I, I brought this anyway. So on the 1st of November, she puts up this, this turkey body and she's cut out all these colored feathers. Uh, and uh, then every day they'll think of things that they're grateful for. And uh, I can't read this without it on the dark purple one with that. It's that Crosby wrote, he didn't write, but he said, Mommy watching me at swim lessons. He was grateful for, for that. And I actually, I asked her last night for a, a fresh picture, but I uh, haven't gotten it yet um, to see what, what, it's, what it's looking like. But we, we do some things to, uh, to teach our kids uh, to be thankful. And um, sometimes, most of the time, we have to be taught to be grateful. And it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing. Because gratitude apparently doesn't come naturally. Like, like one in ten times we're actually grateful. For what we ought to be grateful for. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, when I was, uh, you know, an eight, a take it for granted 18 year old going to college with parents who were helping, uh, that uh, I, I was able to apply for a scholarship for, for ministry kids. And so there was a group down in Calamus Falls that had set aside some money to. Uh, you know, to, to, to make available to pastor's kids and whatnot. So I applied and I got this scholarship. I don't remember how much it was, but it made a little dent in the, the process. And, and, um, and I, they sent it, you know, one year and the next year. And, and then the next year they, they didn't send it, but they did send a letter to my folks. <laughs> Uh, at least that, uh, I learned about it through my dad. I remember that part. Um, <laughs> and the reason they didn't send it was because they hadn't heard from me. I, I don't know if they wanted my transcript or what, but they did kind of expect a thank you that I would acknowledge that they had done that. And so I, I learned uh, kind of a, a hard way that uh, there are things that we take for granted that we shouldn't take for granted. I've watched the same thing with church planters. You know, my, my primary gig is to work with guys who are, who are start trying to start new churches. And, 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 and so many times, well, all the time, uh, uh, we try to help them to raise funds that are given to them from other churches like yours and churches, you know, we go to the deep pockets of the deep South into Texas and, and they receive, uh, the offerings of, uh, of support and, and then there have been times when, when they've reported to us, you know, uh, they, they were giving, but they, I haven't gotten a check this year. You know, they, since January, they haven't, they haven't given anymore. And I said, well, did you tell them what you were doing? Did you report to them? You know, did you say thank you? 
And there have been cases when that's been the, tr the reality, that they didn't say thank you. Well, this morning, uh, I want to read now from the same chapter in Luke, chapter 17, but I want to look to verse 11. A story that you will be familiar with. Uh, if you have been to church even the last 10 years, you probably are familiar with this story. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were there not ten who were cleansed? Where are the nine? When no one was found to return, or excuse me, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You see, Jesus, as he commonly was, was on a road trip. He was walking and uh, his disciples were with him and uh, they, he was moving between Samaria and Galilee on this final journey to Jerusalem. And he, he comes to this village and, and uh, there are these 10, ten lepers. Now, the, 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 the word leprosy here could have been just a skin disease. Uh, it wasn't absolutely necessarily the, the worst case scenario of, of leprosy, but they didn't have the science that we have today either. And so if you had, you know, some kind of, of, of uh, rash or anything going on and, and, uh, or even a deep case of, of leprosy, you, it was contagious. And so everybody knew that no one wanted to be around you. Uh, and, and it was actually uh, the, the social norm to separate yourself from other people so you wouldn't pass it on. And so they had to do that. The Mosaic law, by, by Mosaic law, lepers knew that, that they were to keep their distance uh, and live in quarantine for the community. And so that's what they did. And so when Jesus came, they knew of Jesus' reputation. And so they said, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on us. So 10 people desperate for healing. They didn't dare rush up to Jesus. Um, and so they called out to him. And Jesus' instruction was to them was, was pretty normal uh, for healing. That is, um, 
I think normally it, they would actually see the healing before they would go to the priest to present themselves. But here they are with their, with their diseased skin. And Jesus says, well, go and present yourselves uh, to the priests. Uh, and so they chose to follow his instructions. And as they went, they were healed. It's a beautiful story. We're always asking God for healing. I mean, what was, what was the, the primary you know, subject, uh, so much of what we talked about this morning, because we have so much brokenness uh, in us that we pray for the sick and we pray for our own healing. Well, they followed those instructions and as they went, their, their, their skin cleared up. Can, can you imagine what that would have been like for them as they looked at each other, maybe Maybe, you know, one was following another and they said, look, your skin, skin looks beautiful. It's, it's healed. And they began to look at themselves. And, you know, wow. And, 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 and they went on to the priest and, and they presented themselves whole and well. Apparently nine of them were, uh, were, were, were Jewish people, and one of them was from Samaria. This was probably one of the few times when the Jewish people would allow a Samaritan to hang out with them. They had something else in common. They were all broken. But they were all healed, and one of them, felt such gratitude in his heart that he returned to Jesus. And in a loud voice, he praised God and he fell at Jesus' feet and he thanked him for his healing. One in ten. A 10% return in gratitude on 100% of mercy granted. I really haven't done any statistical work. I, I don't know if if you could prove a similar case, but I, I fear that's maybe true, even in my own life, that one time in 10, I'm grateful enough to give God credit. How many people today acknowledge the source of the grace and mercy in their lives? Mind you, the other nine lepers did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They, they all were obedient to the command to go, the instructions to go and present themselves. They were doing the will of God. They were doing what was acceptable. But gratitude and thanksgiving move us beyond what is acceptable or ordinary. A gracious attitude and lifestyle make a person extraordinary. A cut above the rest. Jesus called them out. He called out those who were ungrateful. Now, you know,
No one wants to be that. And, and normally we just kind of dismiss it often. We, we're just kind of dismissive of, oh, well, they, you know, they weren't thankful. But Jesus called these guys out. He, he said, 10 were healed and one were nine. Excuse me, one returned. It, it's pretty easy math. Where are the other nine? Jesus knew what he did and he has expectations in our response. Just what's appropriate. This is not new information, I know. And yet, the Spirit of God perhaps needs to prick our hearts so that we will be grateful for what we have received. We're all accountable for our actions and our inaction toward God and toward one another. And so our gratitude and our ingratitude towards God and one another is notable. Now, we don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be notable amongst ourselves, right? I mean, we, we're pretty good at that. We, we can identify ingratitude in somebody else before we'll see it in ourselves. But Jesus noticed this. You know, sometimes we're, we're just so grateful for all of the grace and all of the mercy that's extended to us that, that we think that he, he, he would not, you know, he, yes, he forgives us for our ingratitude also. But what is appropriate for us? Jesus will not mince words as he questions our choices. He said, were not ten made clean? Where are the other nine? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, you all probably are well aware of the nature of this statement. The foreigner, a Samaritan, who had not been the beneficiary of that cultural day of the grace of God. The foreigners were foreigners. <laughs> they, they were outsiders. They were, they were people who, in fact, the Jewish people hated because they were half-breeds and, and, and they they, they just didn't fit their model, their mode of, of who deserved the grace of God, who were God's chosen people. And so, you know, we've got a number of examples like that, like, like the, the good Samaritan, you remember the one who, who, who's, who did good to the broken and wounded man alongside the road when the religious people looked the other way. But the Samaritan, out of all who should be grateful for what they have received, he was kind of the last one that you would even expect. You see, I think the other nine just kind of took for granted the blessings of God. Because they, they had been part of the God story all along, and and they knew that there was 
kind of a system so that, you know, when you are healed, you go to the religious people and you say, you know, you present yourself and you go through those motions and, and then you're healed and you go on with your day. You're glad. Is it possible that the chosen ones, that is the New Testament believer, might take for granted the grace of God, the forgiveness of God in our life? Oh, me. God continually extends forgiveness of our sin. He, 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 he blesses us with, with grace after grace. This past week, <clears throat> the Northwest Baptist Convention, the, the network of churches that, that we're a part of, that I work for, uh, we had what we call the annual meeting. It's, it's, it's a gathering where it's kind of like this meeting. Uh, you, you have to do some business you know, or, or a 501c3, and you, you've got to have a, have a formal business meeting, and you've got to adopt the budget, you've got to do those kinds of things, and have reports, and, and, uh, and you're going to do that with yours, and, and, and frankly, for me, that meeting is just as fun as your bean auction, you know, it's, it's a family reunion in, in more ways than one, now, I, I, you know, it's a family reunion for me, because of the fact that my family, my brother is also a pastor over in Spokane, and my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law, you know, you guys know my family story too. Um, and, and so this year, the, the theme of the story, the theme of the convention was uh, proclaiming Christ or proclaiming Jesus from generation to generation. And uh, the, you know, the, the theme uh, selection, that's kind of, that's above my pay grade. They, that happens uh, amongst the, the strategic leadership team. So the the big dogs, you know, for the convention, they get their heads together and they, they make this, this decision. And then also, without asking me, they, they decided that the theme interpretation would be that the Peters family would be the poster child. Which was honoring and humbling and weird. <laughs> And what they wanted us to do was on Monday night, they wanted us to tell our story. And so I got to inquire of my siblings and, and say, okay, so and, and some of you know this story already, and if you, you can watch it if you want. But um, my family came as my dad was a church planter in Missouri. And oh, by the way, his mother made sure that six roughneck Peters boys went to Maywood Baptist Church in Sunday school and worshiped and had a high value of that relationship. And out of that came six Peters boys who as young adults, two were preachers and two were deacons and, uh, and the other two came to faith later and, and faithfulness later in life. But, uh, and then out of the, fa the family that moved from Missouri to Washington, all four of us are in ministry. And our children at varying paces are 
and some serving in active ministry, including my daughter, uh, who's been in youth ministry down in Eugene. And so I got to ask my, kid, my, my siblings to write their narrative, you know, tell the story. <clears throat> and so all four of us wrote our narrative of, of the story. Uh, and um, I'll fast forward. Then uh, as we di I dialogued with Randy Adams, our executive director, how, how to tell the story, he said, I Becky, interview you guys. So Becky's my, my youngest, uh, who is a uh, bright, uh, very comfortable. I mean, she, she, she's, you know, she's worked with youth for the last six years plus, uh, uh, and um, Youth for Christ, local church, DJs, dances. Uh, she even is so appreciated by her secular high school, Willamette High School, that she DJs their dances. <clears throat> and, and so she's got personality, right? And uh, anyway, long story short, she interviewed her, her aunt and uncle and dad uh, and and Debbie, who's you, who you've prayed for for a long time, they're currently in Hong Kong, so she couldn't be here. But we got a video from her, and so anyway, we got to tell the story. That's my life story. You know, I have been blessed to be a part of this incredible story, and and yet I'm reminded that I can so easily take for granted the blessing of God. God has blessed us and kept us like we sang the song of blessing. Don't take that for granted. You see, those of us who are in the family, you may have been privileged to have, have had a similar story where you have walked by faith and your family has walked by faith and you are, you know, your heritage is generation after generation. Now, I know that's not probably most of us in the room, but there are some of us for whom that's been our story. And it is so easy to take that for granted. Just like the other nine. This one Samaritan. While the others had also experienced the same healing. This guy found deeper healing in his soul. Nine of them, well, ten of them experienced physical healing. One of them was saved. Jesus slams the nine perfectly respectable but ungrateful former lepers who went on their way without an even so much as a thank you. Perhaps that those nine felt like they were entitled to be healed. Perhaps the nine just moved on in their self-centered Israelite privilege. So much else had had their attention that they couldn't even take a moment to return to Jesus and express their gratitude. But this one, 
The one who returned came praising God with a loud voice, now clean, and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus, and he thanked him. He was, he was physically healed and spiritually turned. He turned his heart towards Christ as he trusted and obeyed. He asked, he believed, he received the gift of healing, and then in his new physical wholeness, in an act of spiritual holiness, he returned with his whole heart to thank the Lord, throwing himself at Jesus' feet. You see, gratitude draws us into the presence of God. The movement within our heart is what moves our minds and our mouths, our hands and our feet to demonstrate gratitude in different ways. You see, God knows our heart the place from which true gratitude emerges. I'm not talking about just the superficial thank you or thank God, or some say, you know, that before, because they've just received, you know, a piece of chocolate. Oh, thank God, I just needed it so bad. I'm talking about gratitude that, that wells up deep within our soul from with with emotion and radiant smiles and singing hearts and tears of joy and a happy dance that could care less about who's watching. The overflow of praise in a loud voice that cannot and will not be contained. Gratitude that compels a person to fall at the feet of Jesus in thanksgiving. Gratitude for the one who makes way, who is the way. When Humankind says, stay away or get out of the way, or there is no way. Your faith has made you well. That language in the original text does not just say that you, your skin has been made clean. Now, when Jesus said, What's translated here, it, uh, you know, your, your faith has saved you, your sin. Let me see if I can find what I'm trying to say. Uh, was, and, and then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God and he fell on his face giving thanks. And then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Where was the one? And in verse 19, he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. You could translate that your faith has saved you. The salvation word. You see, that was what was unique about these other guys. They, 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 I suppose the others had some faith because they obeyed and they went through those motions, but they did not have saving faith, apparently. Because saving faith produces gratitude. And so Jesus affirms him. He, he affirms him for faith that return to give thanks and return to give something back to God. I've heard it said, it's a grateful faith, not a gimme faith that saves. 
A grateful faith receives and responds. It gathers and gives. The, one of the beloved sages of our age said before she passed, I've learned that you cannot go through life with catcher's mitts on both hands. Get the image? You got to throw something back. The grateful one experienced soul healing so that, that so many of us need today. And we're not going to experience until we're able to count our blessings. Until we receive and respond. Until we gather and we give. So let's, if there's only 10%, then let's be one. One of those 10%. We don't know what became of the other nine. Their bodies were healed, but they missed out on the better part that comes by drawing nearer to God. The one in 10 turned back to express gratitude for what the Lord had done. It doesn't matter whether you're a leper on your last leg or seated at the center of privilege. It doesn't matter whether you're grateful uh, for uh, a uh, caramel macchiato latte uh, or the sun kissing your cheeks. Heartfelt gratitude draws us closer to God. It opens us to the extraordinary experiences regardless of any pre-existing condition. In these times of distraction and denial, of uncertainty, of conflict, in this season of perpetual pivoting and creeping illness, fatigue, let's be the one. The, the one that recognizes the graciousness of God and his merciful work happening within us right now. Be the one who counts their blessings. That, that him come into mind for some of you. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. See what God has done. There was an elderly woman who was with a group departing from a large gathering and many people moved uh, ahead of her and around her in a hurry as she walked with a younger aide. And as they crossed the parking lot, the elderly woman saw a penny on the ground and she stooped down to pick it up. A penny that dozens of people had walked right past. And her younger aide asked her why she bothered with that old penny. And the woman said, that's not a penny, that's a blessing. Too many folks are in too big of a hurry to recognize the blessing, small and large. She said, I'm grateful for this blessing. The parable of the talents teaches you that if you tend to the small things, you'll be entrusted with bigger things. So I encourage you, tend to your blessings. Why does this matter? Well, even human research shows that people who express gratitude tend to be more joyful. Research is showing that people who count their blessings may find themselves sleeping better and exercising more and caring more about others. Not, not, not to mention what old age does, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> I wake up in the middle of the night too. People who consciously count their blessings one by one every day show significant improvements in mental health. 
and even some aspects of physical health, regardless of their season or circumstances. So count your blessings, not your hassles. Inspire others to do the same. There, there are enough cantankerous complainers in the world. We need to be people bursting with blessing, praising God in a loud voice. And you can be grateful. You can be grateful for what makes your heart sing. The smell of fresh baked bread on Thursday morning, a Thanksgiving dinner or elk hunting or fly fishing uh, or, or, or golf greens or whatever it is, generous friends or loving family members, perky pansies peeking through the snow. You can thank God for all of his blessings. We can develop a lifestyle of thankfulness. Maybe we need to take some construction paper and pin it on the wall and write what we're grateful for on a colored paper feather until we build our turkey. I'm grateful that my daughter is teaching her children to be thankful. It's a lifestyle of thankfulness that's taught and caught throughout our day. The response of the leper who returned to Jesus was spontaneous. In 1967, Johnny Erickson Tata was injured in a diving accident that left her a quadriplegic in a wheelchair without the use of her hands. And during her rehab, Johnny spent long months learning how to paint with a brush in her mouth. You know that story. Her high detailed fine art paintings and prints today are sought after to be collected. To date, she's written over 40 books, recorded several musical albums, starred in an autobiographical movie of her life, and is an advocate for people with disabilities. Her life has been hard and she's had other health challenges arising, but Johnny personifies joy. She said in her book, today, look around you. Surely there are small blessings, little joys, tiny hints of God's favor for which you can be grateful. Don't take things for granted today. Take them with gratitude. And so Thanksgiving, while it's a national holiday and it was appropriate, appropriately instituted with a focus on thanksgiving given to God in the early days of our country. We don't need a holiday to say thank you. We need to have a lifestyle of gratitude. And so we don't have to make a case for a season of trials. We're in one, right? And in this season of trials, our giving thanks to God from our heart can move us away from the pandemonium and bring us closer to the Prince of Peace. Where are the other nine? I don't know. But I encourage you to be the one who receives and responds. Count your blessings. Demonstrate your gratefulness. Draw nearer to Christ. He's ready and waiting.
Would you pray with me? Father, you have poured your blessing out upon us. We have gotten so accustomed to your grace and your goodness that sometimes we forget to say thank you. And so, Father, we pray that you would just make us mindful of all the blessings that you have given us. And then, as you invite us, help us, help us to express that gratitude to you, the Holy One. And so, Father, I thank you today for your grace and goodness to us. I thank you for the, the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the, the living work of God who, who saw our brokenness and sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to show us your goodness and then to pay the ultimate price of sacrifice on the cross for us that we might be forgiven that we might live. And Father, to demonstrate your power through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we might also believe in your saving work for us. Thank you. Now, Father, help us as we move forward into this day and to this week to express our gratitude to you whether it's prayers in the middle of the night or at noonday. Give us grateful hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.